1: Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio on their Nothing But Net channel every single weeknight at 7 p.m. Also, Five Reasons YouTube channel. You can find these episodes there as well. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you get all of our latest content, not just on the Heat, but on all of the teams in town and beyond. And also before floor an hour before every heat game and post up five R with Royal Shepherd. As soon as the heat game ends, five reasons, sports.com, spell that one out for the latest written content from Brady Hawk, Alex Baumgartner, Louis sung and others. Unlike the newspapers, we do not have a paywall and check out the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network. We've got a couple of different codes here. We want to tell you about the first is five F I V E that's for PrizePicks.com. That's our official fantasy sponsor here at the five reasons sports network. You can play two, three, four, five players together. You can play different sports, different teams, all kinds of different stuff at prizepicks.com. But the key is you got to use the code five, F-I-V-E. After you download it from the App Store, enter that code or from the Google Play Store, you'll get your initial deposit matched up to $100 and you don't need to play it all at once. So that's prizepicks. The code is five. And if you're looking for premium CBD, use our product code. That's 5RSN, the number 5RSN. You get 25% off the latest tincture, Gummy sports cream, and everything else at TherapistPreferred.com. 25% off with our code 5RSN. Surprise picks, 5-F-I-V-E, Therapist Preferred, 5RSN. And now, today's episode. Down to Biscay. Yikes.
2: uh Five on the floor, ride for my dogs here's the thing? You can check the score Hustle hard, couple scars, wearin' bubble frogs Just like said, you in trouble, y'all Kept the floor plan, got a all bang Y'all seen the block, stop with one hand Impact with trust, inspire, have the guts We here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA, featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network.
1: All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. If you're listening on the, and watching on the Five Reasons YouTube channel, welcome in. Today's floor plan, I've got Alex Toledo, you can follow him at Tropical Blanket, and our friend who's back on the right coast these
2: days. Um, although you're not really
1: on the coast. You're in, you're in West Broward. I don't know if that counts. Yeah, but. I know. The,
2: the, the coast of the Everglades. Yeah, yeah that, that's true. Oh, you, can here find, with the gators.
1: you can find that an alligator and then head over to the Starbucks at Weston town center. Uh, you can there find you him, go. though. also at Mark Jones ESPN. And of course he's doing the games, this series of the Eastern conference finals on ESPN radio. You're actually three seats down for me. So I apologize uh, for eavesdropping a little bit on you and Doris during the game, but I actually got a couple of ideas for this episode from a couple of things that you <laughs> said there. So,
2: okay, good, good, man. Know. It's all fair material, man. Fair game. Sure. Well, it is, I mean, it's, it's public
1: already. So, I mean, we might yeah. as well. so, so let's start here. Cause I, we're going to break down the series with you a little bit and what to look for in game two, what happened in game one. Uh, but I just want to start at the kind of the very beginning with something I heard you say last night, as I was, uh, as I was watching the game, which was, was something that, that you said Jimmy Butler uh, had spoken to uh, prior to the series, which is the idea that this in a lot of ways is his time, that, that he he feels, uh, you know, like everything has kind of come together. Can you kind of reveal a little bit more maybe than you did on the air last night?
2: Yeah, just that, you know, Jimmy, we all know that since coming to Miami, you know, 2020, um, he kind of feels almost in a, way that this is predetermined predestined that that he go all the way here like you can't tell him when you speak with him now that he's not going to win uh, the NBA championship and, and there's a single mindedness um, about him right now that we see on the court that kind of supersedes everything that went on uh, this season and he basically is saying and telling me that hey this this is as close as I feel like I've been to really being able to win it all and uh, he kind of feels like this is his time the way that uh, the way that he's playing the way that the team dynamic is functioning uh, the way that things are lining up in the playoffs Uh, they've been tested outside of Kyle they're relatively healthy Um, he kind of feels that the window is now and uh, you know the way that he played yesterday at both ends of the floor uh, really spoke to it and and, you know, this is not a blip on the screen. It's not an aberration, guys. I mean, uh, he had 41 last night, but we've seen several uh, performances like this from him before in the playoffs, and he's had a couple 30 pieces too. So uh, when you see Jimmy Butler increase his scoring and take on that responsibility, um, it kind of bore fruit to what he was telling me earlier about, this is just my time, and nobody's going to tell him that it's not.
1: He has more uh, games of 36 points or more in the playoffs so far. He's only played 11 of the 12 games. Uh, he's got four already. He had three yeah. in the regular season, wow. uh, which, which, you know, and again, I, I know from, from being around the game a long time, it's kind of that Draymond green quote. I believe it was Draymond that there are 16 game players, right. And the 82 game players. And then there, there are 16 win type players. Uh, It seems like with the exception of last year, he's one of them, but I, I guess to follow on it, Like, why do you think, because I know you've discussed this and and I know Heat fans feel you're one of the few people uh, in the national space who actually understands the team, talks about the team. It's not just about, you know, the Boston Celtics lost to themselves last night, like the Philadelphia 76ers did, like Trey Young did. Uh, Why do you think, in your opinion, that Jimmy isn't elevated to that status, Uh, maybe of some others? when he's done this consistently when it matters. And a lot of the others have not.
2: That's a a great point, Ethan, guys, because um, I see it as plain as day. And I think you nailed it, man. Like, I think the reason why the national media, a lot of my colleagues at ESPN included, uh, miss out on where Jimmy Butler should stand in the stratosphere is because his game is not sexy. It's just impactful, um, you know, when you watch, uh, when, when you saw what Luka Doncic did for a contrast in games one and two in that Phoenix series, sexy stats, they were down two games. Um, for them to win, he had to actually change the way he played. If you really think about it, long story short, when you look at Jimmy, he's not making a lot of those step back, sidestep threes with a guy hanging on him. His game is. It's like Splenda, no sugar, man. It's just like straight, right? It's a great substitute, even though it's not the real thing. And he's got the mid-range game to supplement it. And here's the key, Ethan, is Jimmy Butler last night, I I said to uh, the crowd, I said, he's playing better than anyone in the playoffs right now. And I don't know why anyone can't see it. Show me a stat line, not just the points, rebounds, assists, the 41-9 and whatever it was, six or five, Four steals, three blocks. Who else is putting up, maybe honest from time to time, but outside of that, who else is putting up stat lines with that defensive variable in there? And his all-around game, I think it's because people at ESPN, national media, they don't see the game in the mud the same way that people that are aligned with the Miami Heat do. They appreciate uh, defensive performance. Uh, They I don't I can't explain a lot of the analytics to you, but when a guy is able to stay in front of his man or stick his hand in the passing lane and blow up an offense by himself. There's nothing on the stat sheet that you get that says, oh, he blew up their offense twice. You got to see it. That's the eye test component. And Jimmy Butler is not an, an analytics type player. He's not an eye test type guy. And I think that's part of the reason why. You know, when when we put up graphics on ESPN says of these four teams, who's the best player remaining? Is it uh, Tatum? Is it Luca? Is it Steph Curry? Is it Jimmy Butler? For me, that was an easy one. That was Jimmy, and it wasn't even close.
0: Mark, so it's crazy that we're we're saying this about Jimmy right now. I think you know, after the the playoff run that he had last season, a lot of Heat fans were down on him. You know, we've been kind of having in our mentions people. Uh, tweeting us that graphic of Bryn Forbes outscoring Jimmy Butler during that Bucks series last year and people love to bring that up and I think there was a lot of distrust um, ever since that even throughout the regular season like there was I think times where uh, specifically in crunch time Jimmy would do stuff that would piss off Heat fans or like you know take a questionable shot and kind of the conversation starts to shift towards well are Bam and Tyler the next guys are those the guys that they should be uh, kind of centered around and to me, I always thought it was a little bit ridiculous because as much as I, I appreciate what Tyler and Bam do, I think Jimmy has always been that guy for the Heat since he's right. been here. And uh, especially after what he did in that bowl. Like, I just think stepping it up ever since then and kind of, you know, they've gotten the Hawks in the first round. So Jimmy dominating right. them was kind of like, you know, it's the Hawks defense. They can't defend. So that's one thing. Then you go to the Sixers, you know, tougher team where without Embiid the first two games, but even when Embiid came back was going at him relentlessly after, you know, AD and Giannis were guys who in the past have done a good job uh, checking Embiid, I mean, checking Jimmy. Embiid wasn't able to do that. The rest of the Sixers defense wasn't as great. Then you come to this series, everything is like, you know, everybody's saying the Celtics are the best defense. They're the switch heavy team. Is Jimmy going to be able to do this game by game? He comes out and puts together one of the most impressive performances that he's had in a Heat uniform in game one, right? And I think a lot of this is basically just to say that where are they without Jimmy, right? Because I think the you know even though other guys had games last night, Jimmy has been that guy for them. And so my right. question here is, is he going to be able to do this for the rest of the playoffs? Is there any concern when it comes to the Heat's offense outside of Jimmy, or do you think it's a thing of uh, where it's like they need Jimmy to be this guy more often than not?
2: Yeah, I I, I love the way that um, Jimmy managed the game last night. Um, it was kind of Chris Paul esque in that. The first half, he was engaged, uh, but he wasn't a primary scorer. He didn't look like, you know, appear like he was looking to score. And then in the third quarter, after being down at halftime, he came out and he put his foot on the gas and looked to score the basketball a lot more. You have to love the amount of free throw attempts that he got last night too. So I think he's more than capable of, of being that guy. And it's, it's like what Ethan was talking about earlier. You know, players know... And it's kind of a sad thing. Like, there are regular season players, guys, that during the first 82 are going to get great numbers. Uh, They're going to look good. They're going to look like all-stars. But those 16 wins that it takes to win an NBA championship make games a lot different. And, you know, you can have regular season guys, man, but, you know, you're getting teams and players on the second night of back-to-backs, four and five, whatever it be. But in the playoffs, it's different. And, and Jimmy, throughout his career, I mean, last year was, I think, an aberration. Last year, I think you can easily throw it out because of uh, the way the schedule was. And, you know, we're coming back from COVID and we barely finished up under the guise of normalcy at, at the end of it. Uh, last year was just an aberration. I think Jimmy's uh, that guy for the Miami Heat. And when you pl- play a switch-heavy team like the Celtics, Miami-Boston are two switchiest teams in the NBA. I think Boston switches... The most Miami's right behind them in terms of switching. Uh, The risk is stalling out against switches. And Jimmy has that ability uh, to drive the ball to his spots, either get into the paint, get a good look at the rim, or hit mid range jump shots. That's always been who he is. Um, You know, it was interesting to hear his comments after the game talking about uh, I was 0 for 2 from downtown. Next game, my goal is to be 0 for 0. He feels like, hey, I. I don't need to shoot threes against these guys. I'm just going to play bully ball and put the whole squad in the weight room with free memberships. You know what I mean? So uh, he can be that guy. I think I see it there. He wants to be that guy. And um, there's just a special um, elevation in this play that tells you that uh, there are a lot more. I think there are a few more uh, of these 35, 40 point games to come.
1: I want to ask Mark uh, something about Eric Spolstro. When we come back, on our podcast feed, but first a word from our sponsors. We'll get back to our episode in a second, but even the president was talking about hurricanes in South Florida today, and it's just May, right? So you need to be prepared. You need to get your impact windows and doors. Do it now. Don't wait until the last minute. Reach out to our friends over at All Pro Construction Builders. That's Danny. He's actually going to the heat game on Thursday night, so maybe you can say hello to him there and say, hey, I need impact windows and doors. But otherwise, you can give him a call at 305-484-4429. That's 305-484-4429. State certified licensed and insured general contractor. They service Miami-Dade, Monroe, and and Broward counties, excuse me, and they use locally made products, American made products and they're family owned and operated. So it's the best of everything here. Reach out to Nanny, you'll get a free estimate, but also if you mention five reasons, you'll get a 10% discount. If you wanna check out some of their work, they're at All Pro Construction Builders on Instagram or give them a call again at 305-484-4429. When a hurricane comes, it's too late already. Get the impact in windows and doors now from All Pro Construction Builders. And now, back to the episode. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here with Mark Jones and also with Alex Toledo. Mark, of course, is calling series from here in South Florida for ESPN Radio, along with the great Doris Burke. Um, people know how I feel about that particular broadcasting team, and, and I think a lot of our viewers feel, feel the same way because you're getting education. So if you want to listen to on ESPN Radio uh, this week, make sure that, that you're doing that. I want to ask you about Eric, though. When did you first meet Eric?
2: Man, you know, I've I've been down in South Florida for a long time, like mid, late 80s, early 90s. I remember meeting Spo, one of the first times actually talking with him, getting to know him, playing basketball, pickup basketball at the Eden Rock Hotel. Um, Like this would have been like 97 or something like that. Joe Vencius, our old producer with uh, Heat Television. Uh, used to put together these runs at the Eden Rock on like Tuesday and Wednesday nights. And we'd show up and go up and down and get a few, get some buckets in and Spo shows up. And I remember like him pl- just playing with us with one of the guys. I'm like, Oh, that's, you know, that's the video guy. That's the assistant coach with <laughs> the heat. You know? <laughs> oh, he was cooking people too, by the way, he was still stroke that thing. But uh, that was, that was kind of the wait, first wait, time. Mark,
1: was he, was he talking trash though?
2: He was confident. Eric kind of like, hey, man, he would run and go get the ball out of guys' hands at times. I remember him doing that one time in particular when it was point game, and it was time for either to keep going or for the other team to sit down. But he, he was really good. And uh, that was kind of my first experience with Spo. And, you know, I'd always see him around and talk to him a little bit uh, when he was uh, moving up through the ranks as video, then assistant coach, and, and now head coach. And I've always had the world of, of respect for him. And, uh, you know, people – Talk about this this new wave. One of my colleagues at ESPN was talking about this new wave of former players being coaches. You know, I put Spo in that group because he played collegiate basketball at Portland, you know, and he had a pretty good resume there. So he's played basketball at a pretty high level and, and he understands the player psyche, mentality, and the requisite tactics that come along with it all.
1: What well, one follow on this. So I, I've observed again. I got to know Spo starting a little bit 1996-97 when I started covering teams. It was around that time, and then he got the head coaching job in two thousand eight. And even though he took those first two teams to the playoffs with Dwayne, and and with all due respect to the others, not a whole lot else, right? Right. Not to the first round, got eliminated by Atlanta, and and to Boss. I apologize, you I didn't include you in that. But so, <laughs> some 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 of some of the rest of the cast. Okay, uh, he, he took him to the playoffs it still felt to me like until he had the championship that to a certain degree, I always used to say that he was kind of wearing Pat suit, you know, like he was trying mm. to kind of be the next Pat in a lot of ways. I really feel like over the last couple of years, like the real Eric Spolcher that some of us know on the side has been more public. Now it's sort of the snarkiness and the occasional cursing yeah. and that kind of, like, I think people are surprised by this Eric exposure but this is kind of, who he became, I think, over the big, when he started to develop the confidence in himself, which I'm not sure he had at the start of, uh, say, the big three era.
2: Right, right. I I would agree with that. I think um, post-LeBron especially, um, you know, whenever you are faced with uh, profound new circumstances, it catalyzes growth. And I think the post-LeBron era of Eric Spolstra, is something that you're alluding to is where we see a little bit more of the innate personality and um, kind of shedding a little bit more of the, the Pat Riley isms and uh, you know, uh, being out of the shadow of, you know, the four years of LeBron and the heatles and, and flexing his own coaching muscles and uh, seeing a different side of him and seeing some of that personality. I, I, I think, you know, I'll always say that he's, you know, he's easily in the top three. You could say that he's the best coach in the NBA. And, um, you know, to be able to uh, evolve and to grow to who he is now is really a, a credit to him. I, you know, when anytime you work with Pat Riley, you're going to be profoundly impacted by being around him all the time. And and you're going to take on some of those uh, character traits and even potentially some of those character defects, believe it or not. Uh, but I, I clearly would agree with you that, uh Spoh is out of that large shadow right now of, of Riles and, uh, you know, 14 years as the head coach now and, you know, started off as one of the youngest coaches. He's 51 years old now has his family and, um, you know, he uh, he does a fantastic job that sometimes gets overlooked. It really does. And it's a shame.
0: So, speaking of Spo here, uh, I think last night was a really interesting game coaching-wise, uh, actually for both teams, because you mentioned earlier in the pod that the Celtics and Heat are two of the the switchiest, switch-heavy teams there are in the league. And last night, we saw a whole lot of drop from both teams, actually, specifically yeah. from the Celtics. Uh, right off the bat, they were dropping where Rob Williams, uh, did not. I mean, they were switching stuff off-ball, but as far as uh, kind of the big, they always had Rob Williams or Daniel Tice dropping back. I thought that was really interesting, because it feels like It's gone completely away. Even though they've mixed in drop with Horford and Tice throughout the season, it feels like they got away from what made them so special defensively. So I'm wondering if that's something that reverts back to the normal uh, in game two. And the Heat, specifically what they did, I mean, in in the first half, they were just getting destroyed uh, in the paint. Their interior defense was awful. It was 42 points for the Celtics in the first half uh, in the paint, six in the second half. Really a story of two halves for both games. What did you see – from Spo in the heat that changed in that second half, was it just being able to grind things out on defense, get out in and transition, and, and that's how they juice their offense? Because to me, that's, that's one of the biggest uh, keys to this series, right? I think the yeah. dominating, I mean, uh, winning the rebounding transition turnover battle is how they can juice the, you know, the half court offense that we've had concerns about. Was it all about that in the second half, or was it a spo thing, or was it just more of kind of like an energy thing for the players? I,
2: I thought it was a little bit of an energy thing coming out of the locker room. I think they realized they had to play a lot harder. They hadn't been themselves. They were out of character in that, that first half. Um, I think when you look at the guys that really alchemized them from mediocre to great defensively, it was Jimmy Butler. I mean, um, uh, he spent most of the game uh, guarding either Brown or Tatum, and um, you know him being able to get those deflections, get those steals, get them out and running, and I. I- thought that Jimmy actually pressing up a lot of times and our team, you know, the the Heat team defensively pressing up, uh, being able to turn over uh, Jason Tatum a lot of times really had a a big impact on their ultimate success. Um, You know, everyone talks about Boston being a great defensive team, especially since uh, January 1 and on, and well-deserved. They've done a great job. But, you know, Miami, I think, ended up ranked uh, fourth I think it was a defensively and defensive rating this year. So they're not far behind. And, you know, it's just a couple of percentage points if that. Uh, So I I think what we saw defensively from Miami in the second half is probably uh, the true heat. As for strategically going against Boston, which, yeah, was in drop a little bit more. um, I think the reason Emei did that was probably because he was missing – you know, Marcus Smart and Al Horford, which are you know, two key guys uh, in being able to switch on to people a lot of times. Um, so I, I think that's, that drop coverage they used was probably a little bit of a safer bet for him. And um, depending on who comes back. Yeah, yeah. I, I think depending on who's available next game, you know, they're looking at Harford, Horford not being back until game three or four. Um, you know, Smart comes back, maybe to get back to a little bit of who they are uh, defensively in terms of switching and uh, you know that that can work uh, but then you look at hey uh, they go hunting pigeons out there and <laughs> they were hunting Peyton Pritchard man he was the number one pigeon out there last night and man they spoke that dude I mean Jimmy hunted him whoever was uh, he was guarding was being put into screen action and it was lights him. out oh man they just they just went over and over and kept running that same old song. And, uh, you know, that's going to force an adjustment uh, uh, by Boston and how much Pritchard can play at the defensive end. Cause they're going to go right at him if that's the case.
1: Yeah. And they're thin to begin with. That's the thing. I mean, they're, they're yeah. not, they're not as deep as Miami. Then you lose Horford, you know, we are expecting smart maybe for game two, but uh, yeah. the, you know, they really only rolled seven and a half last night. And, yeah. and I, I don't feel like he wants to go, really any further with that we can see like over that's why I picked the heat and seven, honestly, because I I just see that wearing them down over the course. This reminds me a little bit, and we talked to Norris Cole about this, but it reminds me a little bit of, of uh, when doc would bring the Boston teams down here and uh, they were playing six guys by the end uh, or when we saw Paul George, you know, sort of fall apart in two game sevens in Miami because he had to carry so much of the load. I mean, Spo knows how to work your best player and, and, yeah. and get them to the point where they don't, they don't have it left at the end. And that's, that was my reason for picking the heat and seven. I, I think the home court and, and Spolster's ability to do that.
2: And I, I would agree with you. And, you know, just back to, you know, how Miami attacks them if they go drop or even if they stay in a, a switch uh, situation, you know, the biggest, Uh, thing that you have to face when you're playing a defense that switches a lot and Miami sees it a lot too is you can stall out against switches but if you look at the heat you guys have watched them play throughout the years this year you know always historically I think they finished second in points this year offensively off of cuts second in points off of handoffs uh, third off of points off of screen so they can always get to you know secondary screening actions Uh, pistol actions and and dribble handoffs and uh, you know they've always got an answer for something because there's a lot of versatility in the way that they um, they play at the offensive end and the one thing that really hasn't been Miami so far the Miami that we've seen during the regular season is their three-point shooting number one in the league in three-point shooting percentage they haven't shot it well yet from downtown and that's going to come at some point.
1: Yeah. And I thought Tyler got a little bit of a breakout last night overall with his game. And sometimes that bleeds into yeah. shooting. All right, we've, it's we've it's got- funny, Ethan,
2: you mentioned Tyler real quick, funny story. Like I was speaking to Drew Hanlon, his trainer a couple of days ago. And I said, just that with Boston being so switchy, how does he not stall out at the offensive end? He said, he's got a nice floater that I've been working on with him over the last couple of days down here in Miami, He came down and spent a couple of days. And lo and behold, Tyler had that impactful first half, right? That kind of, kept the heat floating offensively.
1: Yeah, no. And we've talked about the floater for sure. So, I mean, that, that is definitely something that he can get to. I, I think when I talked to him, you know, he said, I hope they play drop. I'm a killer against the drop. And <laughs> and, and they they played a little bit, but you said, I mean, that floater's there for him regardless. I, I think the problem yeah. the problem against Philly was, and, and Alex and Brady have touched on this on five on the floor, is they, they were sending the third defender in from the corners. So it's like, you know, mm. he, he's already and seeing Blitzigev. one. Yeah, right. Yeah. Blitz again. So he's seeing three. Yeah. And and he said, I said, is this a little bit? I mean, your ego. I mean, this is not a bad thing that they're paying you so much attention, <laughs> right? And and clearly, yeah. by wearing the sleeveless stuff last night, uh, it's oh, yeah. to him a little
2: bit. Uh, hey, he, I, felt, I, he probably felt like Tony coach at the Olympics when Michael Jordan and Scotty were all over him, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Or, or 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 to bring up Norris Cole again, Jeremy Lin in Miami, right? Like because that was that was the other one, or more recently, Trey Young against Gabe Vincent. But yes, yeah. the, 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 there, there is this habit of. Of guys having to try to break through in the playoffs we see it all right we each right. got one question left for you uh if you're here on the youtube channel just hang with us on the podcast feed a word from our sponsor we'll get back to our episode in a moment before we do I want to tell you about great new sponsors of the five reasons sports network And people that you should certainly contact in this complicated housing market. We know that inventory, there's not a lot of it right now. And also, interest rates are starting to go up. So you got to work with seasoned professionals. You can find them over at Galleria International Realty. That's right here on Las Olas Boulevard. The team of Jeannie and Carolina, you can reach them at 954-790-6308. That's 954-790-6308. Their priority as realtors is to make their clients happy, listening to their wants and needs to achieve the best outcome in every transaction And make sure that the buying or selling process is as fun, easy, and stress-free as possible. They know the area here in South Florida with combined experience of over 20 years. And they will always contact you back when you have a question or concern. Ethical, tenacious, and this is important too in this market down here, bilingual. So reach out to Jeannie and Carolina, 954-670-6308. Again, that's Jeannie and Carolina at Gallery International Realty, 954-670-6308 seven, eight. And now back to the episode. All right. Last quick segment here with Mark Jones. Again, follow him at ESPN radio this week, along with Doris Burke. They've got all of the games uh, of the Eastern conference finals. And he's right here in South Florida. I might bump into him at the West Starbucks. We'll see. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> Alex, I'll let you start as we close here. All right. So
0: I've got one rapid fire question for you. This is something that's kind of been going through my mind all day. Sure, where does Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and PJ Tucker rank amongst defensive trios? Because I was thinking about it today, and I'm like, this is one of the most impressive trios I've ever seen. I know that's not something that you know generally gets talked about a lot, but I was trying to think and, and do that thought exercise because you know the Heat are filled with good defenders, so are the Celtics, etc. But those right. three guys specifically and what they do, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like it. So I, I'm going to defer to you and Ethan, who have a lot more experience.
2: You, you talking about just this year in the NBA or historically throughout the years? Defensive.
1: Take it back a little bit.
2: Yeah. Take it back a little bit. Wow. Defensive trios. Man, I, I go back to, I remember back in the day, the old Milwaukee Bucks, when they had Sidney Moncrief. I'm old, man. I just turned 60, okay? Sidney Moncrief, Alvin Robertson was a killer on ball defender. And um, I can't remember who the third guy might have been. I don't know that they really had a third on that squad. Um, You know, Golden State's been good defensively this year. They're ended up number two, but you know, it's really Draymond and Clay still kind of regaining his form. Um, I don't know that there's another third guy there. They do it kind of more systematically, but straight dogs i mean geez, there's there's not a lot historically i don't know that you have the versatility of those three guys mm-hmm. you know
1: i would look at those the two different incarnations of pistons teams maybe um you you, you isaiah could, joe dumars well you could look at you could look at joe uh i mean on that team i mean god uh, joe rodman obviously uh you know i mean you have rodman you have Dumars. Um, I mean, who else would we, I mean, I don't know that I would consider Isaiah to be an elite defender, like, like right. at, at that level. Uh, and certainly Aguirre and Dantley were not in that. Oh, no, <laughs> but, One of those guys
2: <laughs> got traded just because right, of that. For yeah. the other
1: uh, John, yeah. John Sally. I think, you know, I, I might look at the more recent Pistons team. I, I think you can make a case for Ben, Ben Tayshaun and, uh, and maybe Chauncey. Maybe Chauncey there. out
2: top. Yeah. Yeah. 2004. That's kind of close. I mean, Obviously, Michael and Scotty, when they wanted to, you know, mm-hmm. take the dogs on you. You know, I think about some of those good Seattle teams back in the day. Mm-hmm. Gary Payton, uh, Nate McMillan.
1: Yeah.
2: You know. Some uh, of the Spurs
1: teams with Kawhi and Tim together, even if Tim had yeah a step, you know. But like
2: like we're talking about, it's it's mostly just two. And it's hard to find that third third wheel um, like the Heat currently have with those three guys. I always say to P.J. Tucker, every time I saw him, I told him yesterday, I said P.J., I can't. I still can't believe. I'm going to say it again. And during the call of the game, I still can't believe you've never made all NBA defense. I mean, think about that. Through the years, uh, as good a defender he's been. Those times in Houston when he was virtually the only guy playing defense, never made one. So maybe there's hope for him still That's in Miami. That's wrong. That's just well, wrong. There, there I know. Of stat for yeah. you.
1: Jason Tatum attempted only three shots last night. Missed them all with uh, PJ defending him.
2: P.J. Yeah, yeah. If me. you're the Miami Heat, you got to hope that he's healthy. And he's he's ready to bounce back in Game Two because uh, his health is a big component, man. I, mean, I don't think it matters. W-
1: <laughs> he's playing. <laughs> hey,
2: listen. Here's my favorite P.J. Tucker story. Okay, so last summer, I'm uh in, at Stan Remy's gym down by the airport, and uh, he has a lot of NBA players that comes and come in, and he trains a bunch of guys. Used to work out. Dwight. He's got, you know, Andre Drummond. He's got, you know, he's had Harden, a bunch of guys. So they're going five on five pickup and Harden and John Wall are are on the same team and they're just wiping the floor with everyone. And PJ Tucker walks in the gym and he's got a pair of beach shorts on and slides and a tank top. I swear it looked like he just came from the pool or the beach. Literally. He said, he says, Hey, Jonesy, what's up? Literally, Five minutes later, he's dressed in his full gear, and I've been talking to somebody. I turn around, he's full court picking up James Harden, like it's game seven of the NBA finals. I'm like, the guy's insane. He's got a different level of competitiveness, and it's amazing how it's not just when the lights are on and the TV cameras are on and it's playing NBA basketball. That's who he is, which is great. Those are the kind of guys that you know, heat culture kind of tend to find all the time. It was wild. He he literally took his shorts off and put on his. He didn't even warm up, Ethan, Alex. He didn't even warm up. He went out there and he was playing. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's how NBA guys really do it. Jimmy in the words Butler of James
1: said, Harden, PJ is PJ. Okay. Yeah. Well, J- yeah. J- Jimmy Butler uh, said last night, he said, uh, I never thought I'd fall in love with a basketball player <laughs> until I met PJ Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to get PJ to buy him more stuff now. At this point, I think
0: Spose says, Yeah,
1: Pat, are you aware of this story? Mark, as you share this on air, but this one has been out there. Um, Pat literally PJ has said that Pat pulled up to him in his car earlier this season and rolled down the window and said, I love you, and rolled the <laughs> rolled the window
2: back up. That sounds I mean, like really, that, right? Yeah. Seriously,
1: if Pat could have traded half the players that he's had over the past 15 years just to have had the rights to P.J. Tucker during all this time, seriously, he would have sacrificed them all, okay? Yeah. But, you know, oh, and, I bet. That, I bet. Yeah, and,
2: Jimmy, too. Jimmy, too. I mean, I remember Jimmy uh, telling me how when he first came to Miami three years ago that Pat met him in the parking lot and said come on man let's go to the scales to get weighed in and jimmy was all nervous about making weight so they walk into the athletic training room and pat gets on the scales and says hey that's 180 185 that's me that's my weight and then jimmy like strips down to his his underwear takes his like his phone out of his pocket and everything steps on the scale he barely made it by a couple of pounds and pat was like oh that's pretty good you know 220, that's pretty good.
1: <laughs> otherwise, contract voided. Uh, yeah. that's how that would have gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All
2: right.
1: Last one here for Mark, and this is the most important question: If the Heat win the championship, yes, will 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 your colleagues uh, in the national media will they actually acknowledge it, or will they just bring the trophy to Cancun to give it to to, <laughs> give, it to, to, give, it to, to give it to the Nets, Lakers, Celtics, Sixers, and Knicks? Uh, is, is, hey. are, are they ever going to acknowledge anything beyond, because again, we sit here with you and we have an in-depth conversation about the nuances right. of this team, the, the, yeah. the conversation with others. And even some of my friends in the national media is heat culture, South beach. I mean, I, I don't even know what that is. Like, I, I feel yeah. like people were going to figure out who Gabe Vincent was last night when the guys yeah. literally started 30 games for this team. W- what is it going to, ta- I mean, are they ever going to get, or, cause I feel to a certain degree, the Spurs were this way too, that, Like it was always the team, the Lakers lost to the Spurs in the Eastern conference finals. They talk about them or somebody else fell, or even the heat were on the other side of it at that point. It was more about the heat losing in in 14 than it was about the Spurs winning. Does this ever change for this particular heat group?
2: I I, I hope that it does. And I've done my best to educate my colleagues about things that are all things, Miami and all things, Miami heat. I think frankly um, it's lazy on their part. A lot of times to just, take the treetop approach uh, to a team, to look at things superficially and say, you know, it, it, it pissed me off to hear Stephen A. Smith um, deride Gabe Vincent and his talents when he was playing for Team Nigeria last year. He didn't know Gabe Vincent's name. And I'm like, no, come on, man. Like, you're a national broadcaster, bro. I love you, but you, you got to know that. And you got to know his story. Because if you're national... I I think it's incumbent on you that you got to dig even deeper into the local guys to know what you're talking about. And, and that's always been, you know, I don't want to sound immodest, but that's always been my approach. And uh, you know, I don't think that nationally, a lot of guys understand the heat culture. They, they talk about it, but uh, they're rarely in the gyms to experience it. They don't, they don't see the guys uh, reporting early in the summertime and, doing two-a-days at the practice facility or see them uh, playing uh, pickup ball at at Stan Remy's gym or Ronnie Taylor's gym in downtown Miami. I I see all the Heat guys, so I know what they're doing. I, I know that, you know, it's like the iceberg, right? They see the tip of it. I see the rest of the stuff that's underwater, and I would hope that at some point they take a deep dive into, you know, they get to learn who Adam Simon is Uh, They get to learn who Chet Kammerer is. They get to know who Andy Ellisberg is. And they already know Riley. That's the easy one. That's the lazy one. But, I mean, get to know Andy Ellisberg. And then you'll understand heat culture, a guy that started in the media relations department and worked his way up. So that's the model here. Adam Simon is, is a lifer. Chet Kammerer is the guy that's always unearthing all these great uh, talents uh, that that come in are perfect perfect fit. Duncan Robinson and uh, Struess and uh, Gabe Vincent, going all the way back to Ike Austin when he was uh, an unheralded player and became a guy that got a big contract in the NBA was a perfect fit. Um, I think it's part of unfortunately our, our kind of Twitter culture. Guys don't really read and do homework anymore and spend time in the gym. I would bet you that of all the national guys that you see down at the arena tomorrow night pontificating about Miami have never been in the gym and watched their players work out or even spoken to them they're they're going off different internet reports i you you guys on this podcast i listen to you guys all the time you do a fantastic job you guys do your own homework you know ethan i see you down at the gym all the time you know so the information that you're garnering on Miami is organic. It's not third party, thank God, because then nobody would know what's really going on with this franchise.
1: Well, I always say this for everybody just to scream, South Beach, South Beach, South Beach. (laughs) Udamas Haslam is Mr. 305. He lives in Southwest ranches.
2: He's my neighbor up here. He's my neighbor up here in Weston. I know, (laughs) I know. And I, I keep telling them, guys, stop saying South on South Beach. The South Beach is across 395 and 195. That's we awesome. are in Miami proper. We're on 8th Street and Biscayne Boulevard. The address is 601. I purposefully say that. <laughs> Why do they have to say South Beach? The arena is on the water. <laughs> There's a bay right there. It's Biscayne Bay. I know. I know. It's become such a cliche. It's sad. I I've for for decades, literally decades, I've tried to um to educate my colleagues, Bam, but there's a new generation that keeps coming up that just doesn't get in the old generation. I don't think ever really, really tried, you know, there's only one it, restaurant
1: it, in the tri-county area and that's prime 112. There's no, no, there's no, you can't eat anywhere else. It's how just, about that?
2: It's, it's I bad. asked a call. I, I, someone asked me for a dinner reservation. I said, try Rosanella's on Lincoln road yeah. or the red rooster is a great soul food restaurant downtown uh, near the old arena, which just opened up about a year ago during the pandemic. Try those ones. Forget about the beach. You don't need the beach. You don't need prime 12, 112, or prime Italian or prime seafood, whatever. Just just try some other stuff. All
1: right, final thing. I always want to ask this, but I'm just going to slip it in here and then we're closing. Did they win the whole thing this year?
2: (sighs) I still think Golden State is a little bit more versatile Mm -hmm. uh, at both ends, but I'm foreseeing a Golden State-Miami uh, final and a six-game, seven-game seven series in that. And if you get that deep into it, don't hold me to saying that Golden State might have a slight edge right now.
1: That's okay. You're yeah. still allowed in the matches, Weston, or any of those other places because you can actually pronounce Max Strus's name. Uh, that, that, that's the litmus test, by the way. I've talked to Max about that. That's If you know something about this team, you have to be able to, to pronounce his name properly uh, hey,
2: listen! I keep telling, I keep trying to tell my colleagues, okay, you want to try empanadas, you want to have uh, uh, some cafe colada, you want to try some arroz con pollo, and uh, hit hit the Latin American grill, or stay away, from, stay stay away from the the touristy spots, you know. So I'm trying, man. It's hard though. A lot you of know? Celtics
1: fans at Bayside last night. All right, Mark, we appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. I guess that's the only place that they know to go. Uh, yeah. Mark Jones, ESPN. ESPN radio with Doris Burke, who is also tremendous. One of these days we're actually going to get her on here as well. Uh, and uh, we appreciate uh, everything that you do uh, with us. And also obviously uh, educating people on this little team here in South Florida that apparently just came into birth about uh, a couple of months ago, Mark. Thanks. Thanks to Alex.
2: How thanks about you to- Can I just say one last thing. Yes. The whole thing about Miami heat fans that they show empty the arenas, it, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. I had to jam a couple people up in the national media about that, and my quest continues. I don't know if you overheard me yesterday. I said, who said keep fans don't show up, huh? I, I mean, I, I tweeted. it was it, a Mark. full building. i I, oh, I got to look yes. for it. We, we were fourth in attendance this year. Fourth. We, huh?
1: Yeah, we. End it there. Oh, yeah, End that's right. That's it. You got all your points in. Thanks,
2: Mark. <laughs> okay, guys, that's right. See you later. Mark.
1: Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports
0: Network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for 4 dollars each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone.